ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another express post from the Women's World Cup. This one is going to be a little bit different. It's basically the Far Post team has had a travel day today, so you will have my thoughts now. You will also have the voice-noted thoughts of Angela Christian-Wilkes and Anna Harrington chopped up throughout this podcast. So if it sounds weird, apologies, but we're getting you your daily podcast because we love you and that's what we want to do for you. But before we crack into the chat, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wandry people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. So we'll do a quick recap of the results that we had yesterday and there was a lot coming from yesterday's three games. So we started the day with Sweden absolutely dismantling Italy 5-0. I reckon a lot of people maybe had tipped Sweden to win but definitely had not expected them to just absolutely walk all over Italy. Uh, We moved on then to one of the most fun games I've ever had the pleasure of witnessing, France 2, Brazil 1. All three of us were at that match, so you'll have plenty of good takes coming from that one. And finally, we ended the day over in Perth with Jamaica getting their first ever World Cup win, a 1-0 victory over Panama. So we'll start with the first game of the day, and that was the Sweden defeating Uh, Italy 5-0 it was just bananas like it seemed like Italy just didn't know how to defend a corner because that was how Sweden kept scoring and it was kind of insane once you looked at the graphics and the stats maps and things of that nature nearly all of their goals were scored within the six-yard box nearly all of their goals came from corners it was just like a consistent pattern that Italy couldn't stop. But I'm going to now leave you with the thoughts of one Angela Christian Wilkes recorded earlier in the day. So I feel like Sweden, Italy really set the tone for the evening for tall girls, you know, hitting the ball with their bounces. You know what I mean? But, um, and I also feel like, I don't know, this result is not particularly surprising to me. I feel like we were, we've been well overdue for a Sweden thumping. Um, and Italy, Italy are not good. I have been saying this for years. Well, not years, a year since I watched quite a lot of them at the Euros and I realised that they don't have a whole lot to offer. And yeah, um, I guess... <laughs> I suppose they did, they did have some early chances in this game. I thought that they were incredibly lucky. Uh, I think goalkeeper Durante, her two-footed tackle on Black Stenius, you know, just before half time, that could have gone terribly um, for them. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not a ref, but it looked, it looked bad. Um, and she was outside of the box. So I think... You you shuddered to think what the scoreline would have looked like had they needed to play with 10 in the second half if she had gotten a red card and, yeah, had to switch keepers. But anyway, so Italy did get off on that front, but then the second half, I guess, you know, well, just these tall, 
tall women on corners. They're going to head the ball in, I suppose. And they did that. Uh, and I think, you know, that's a real asset for Sweden. And they've shown that before. But also the their their pace. Um, again, that, that tackle on Blackstenius from a pass back. Like she, they're going to get on that. And it was just the last goal in particular is just, it feels like a comedy scene almost. I, the fact that Italy was sitting up so high, like what did you expect this incredibly pacey side to do? Um, and just the angles of the footage of, of was it Blomqvist um, getting away with the ball and just she has five Italian um, outfielders behind her and then she has the keeper coming towards her and she just pops it in the net it's like to fantastic run fantastic finish to her credit um and terrifying as well and then you look at the footage as well and it's like the ref is also having to run back it's like the whole gang's here so yeah i think terrifying in that this will be such a huge confidence boost for like sweden and i think it's come at a really opportune time for them in the group stage as well um because you know they're just going to be building on confidence from here and taking that with them and we know that like they're fantastic they're what the second in the world i always just assume the us is number one um but yeah number two in the world their performance like they're finishing at the olympics people like to point to that as bottle jobs but that's that's the case you have to be good to bottle something. And so, yeah, I guess that's going to be the big question moving forward after seeing this kind of performance from them. And Italy, I got Italy in a sweep. And like, <laughs> I'm unsurprised. I'm unsurprised. I do feel for them in that it feels like they've really been stuck in a rut and people have expected big things from them. So, I. Uh, interesting to see what they'll be able to do in their last group stage game because the win i suppose the win against argentina wasn't the most convincing either so yeah that's my takes on that game thanks angela this is going to be so weird to listen back to i'm so sorry dudes um but yeah the other really funny thing i suppose about all of those goals being or most of those goals being headers, was uh, the current leader or equal leader of the Golden Boot Race at the World Cup is Swedish defender Amanda Illisted. Um, and friend of the pod Sophie Lawson was joking in a group chat how there should be an award for the Golden Bonds. And I am literally talking to myself right now, but I'm pretty confident that everyone else on the far post would absolutely get behind Golden Bonds for most uh, headed goals of the tournament. And it was a good night for the Golden Bonds. Um, so we'll move right into that. It was the next game. It was France v Brazil. Like I said, we were all there and just what an unbelievable game of football. Um, both Harrow and Angela have recorded voice notes for this one. So I will leave you with Harrow's thoughts, followed up by Angela's thoughts. I thought France-Brazil was like one of the games of the tournament so far, the atmosphere the vibe was exceptional um especially thanks to the brazil fans um it was just awesome they're like rocking caxton street beforehand the noise was incredible like when they cut the national anthem and they keep singing um but also just the noise and it felt like suncorp was just shaking when dibinia scored that goal um 
the game itself, I thought France handled it really smartly, especially in the first half. Eugenie Lesson could have easily put them in front. I think it's the 13th minute, and then she did anyway, four minutes later, which I imagine would have been really personally quite um, vindicating after obviously being frozen out by Corinne Diaka um, in the past. Um, really nicely taken goal as well. I love the Dubinia goal. Um, the build-up was really nice, but it's the way she controls the ball, like, on the outside of her foot and, like, then lets it bounce in front of her and then sort of steers it home. It just made it look so easy, and I know that would just be so difficult to do. Um, but, yeah, a friend of the board, Steph Young, made a really good point that Brazil, it's like they do so much right and they play so well, but it's just a real basic thing that let them down. Like, marking Wendy Renata at a corner is, like, pretty much, you know, France 101, right? And... To allow just to sort of steamroll in at the back post and head home um, is pretty criminal on their part. So they'll have some pretty uh, big home truths, I reckon, after that one. Um, yeah, it was fun. I was, I was sort of working, like, covering this game and I went down to the mix zone afterwards and Kenza Daly had, uh, was really great, really generous with her time as one of the players who were comfortable speaking in English. Um, as you would have seen Steph tweet, she uh, was wrapped with herself for getting Dubinia's Jersey, but she had this great line about um, that she told the younger players, like, it's not every day you get to play in front of a crowd of 50-odd thousand people who are cheering against you. It's like urging her teammates to soak that up and also just not wanting to end that um, unbeaten run that they've got remarkably against Brazil, which, yeah, it was uh, pretty incredible. The Ervo Renard bust up at the end when he was fuming over the seven minutes of injury time having been taken up and a free kick going Brazil's way um, was pretty entertaining as well. Um, and I like Dali saying, oh, I can't really blame him because I'd be the same. So clearly there's a fair bit of cut through happening there. Um, that group's just been thrown upside down. It's incredible, really. Um, but yes, yeah, super entertaining. One of the games of the tournament and one of the atmospheres of the tournament. France, Brazil, what a vibe. What what a vibe. And I mean, I think it, it surprised me um, being in the stadium in, in amongst it. We've played Brazil on home soil so many times in Australia and to their credit, they've been involved in, you know, us, well, the Matildas breaking crowd records um, in the past in friendlies. And so I guess, yeah, it's not too unsurprising that they would, the Brazilian public would be showing up for this game and the atmosphere that it created was incredible um like the national anthem I know Marissa talked about this but the the way that they just didn't like the music stopped and then there was just thousands of people singing the last few lines in in the stadium and in terms of crowd numbers they also pipped Australia's numbers the other day and being there, you just got such a sense of what a how much football means to this nation and to their to their national identity, which again we've we've seen before, but to feel it like that was incredible. The game itself was amazing to watch, and I'm just honestly, I feel like it could really have gone either way. Um, France did look quite a look like a lot more, a lot better. Um, they're they're more like the France that. Um, many of us know and love, and that were there were quite a few changes to the starting lineup. So, credit to Eve, 
sorry, I don't know if that's offensive. Credit to Irving for that. Um, I didn't get to see, I'm really keen to rewatch on the footage, the little uh, kerfuffle on the sidelines, because that seemed to be quite funny. Um, but yeah, France, and, and of course, I was sat behind the goal when Wendy Renard, again, tall woman, just getting it in with her bunts, loved it. Loved it. Love Wendy Renard as well. And that was such a special moment. Um, it's really hard to view this game without the prism of emotion around it. And such a special moment for this captain who's been through so much over the past, I would say, year, but it's been years. And that's to, to have that moment for herself. Well, not for herself, but to have that moment for herself and her team. And, yeah, just makes me very very happy for her um yeah and both of these sides quality so much quality and do play a little bit differently so i think that was i'm sure anna or marissa might be able to expand in more technical terms um what that looked like but yeah i think as exciting a matchup even more exciting of a matchup than we could have could have hoped um and a really, really special moment to be a part of. So feeling very appreciative of that. Like we are a World Cup and the world is in Australia at the World Cup. And that was really on show for this game. The only thing I wanted to add to both Angela and Anna's thoughts here um, was what Angela was just talking about, about the, you know, the feeling of the World Cup. And I felt the exact same way and it kind of dawned on me, I want to say somewhere around kind of end of the first half, start of the second, as I was sitting in Brisbane Stadium and just looking around and I'm like, this is a World Cup. These are people who would, generally speaking, have no other means or reason or justification to be watching France versus Brazil in a match. And yet there were 49,000 of us doing exactly that in Brisbane of all places. You know what I mean? So that, when we talk about like the magic of the World Cup, I feel like that's it. It's getting to watch things and see teams and experience football in a way that because of the size of the world and all of that other nonsense, you sometimes just can't. So this was just, I, I tweeted it and I stand by it. This is one of my all-time favourite matches that I've ever had the pleasure of watching and it's my favorite World Cup game that I have attended because it was just it was World Cup you know how um people have been talking about the Barbie movie and how Ken is just Ken this was just World Cup it makes sense you get it or you don't um but let's move along again I technically did not ask for takes on Panama Jamaica but Angela did provide them. So here are Angela's thoughts on Panama, Jamaica. Oh, also, uh, I know you didn't ask, but take on Panama, Jamaica. How, what a beautiful moment. What? And again, with the bonds and just like, I think Jamaica have looked so good this tournament and the fact that they were able to do that without Bunny Shaw is so, so good. And yeah, just really happy. I don't really need to like go over the reasons why it's such a special moment for Jamaica, but um, yeah, they just, I feel like they really dominated in that 
in that game and um, to come away with a win I think is super deserved. I know Angela just said that like we don't need to go into the details about Jamaica but it does it's worth repeating that they had to crowdfund to get to this World Cup and they've created history not only for Jamaica but for Caribbean nations and all this other stuff there's a tweet floating out there that I obviously can't remember off the top of my head right now but what they've been able to do is historic and it's such a shame that they've done it in spite of support not because of it from uh, the powers that be over in Jamaica so we love a debutante win there's been plenty more but we'll talk about them tomorrow Um, it feels silly to talk about this by myself to you listeners um but obviously we did get the news yesterday as well about sam kerr she is available what that means literally none of us know um but she was asked point blank are you available to play if selected and she said yes she had put on her boots for the first time in training so i was very excited about that Um, So obviously by the time you guys listen to to this, um, we'll be a lot closer to kick off in that Canada match. And yeah, we'll save that for that. But that was the real big news of yesterday on the Australian front that Sam Kerr faced the media for the first time since um, sustaining this calf injury. Um, She was in very good spirits. She was having a good joke with the media pack, basically saying like, I don't know why this would happen. My calves are massive. Like I've got huge calves. I don't know why they decided to play up the day before the World Cup. So that got a very good chuckle out of everyone at that press conference. But yeah, um, I think it's important to just repeat, Kurt available, that does not mean starting. It just means available. So we'll see, we'll see the true definition of available very, very shortly. Um, but, yeah, like I said, this is a weird post. It's an express post. And I'm going to leave you with one final thought from Angela, who, as you were, probably can already tell, was recording in a very weird location. But here is final thought for the day from Angela. One last quick thing from me also I'm recording this on Sydney Road from my girlfriend's car on my way to a soccer game because you know the hustle never stops whether you're at grassroots or you're at the highest level you show up for your, sorry this is a, a load of wank um there's a tram there you go just just to verify my location um one last thing I wanted to say a huge congratulations to the editors of Root Ledger's new um book that is came out yesterday i believe it's called the 2023 fifa women's world cup um politics representation and management um edited by uh any granger adam beesel brady postlethwaite and julie bryce and it looks to be fascinating um covering a whole range of different topics uh, and research coming into the World Cup. So uh, I was chatting to Andy and Adam the other day at the, the Griffith event. I've mentioned it multiple times because it was amazing. And they really wanted it to be like a companion for the work that people are doing at the moment about the World Cup, during the World Cup. Um, and yeah, to kind of yeah support the research that is still ongoing and providing um, like kind of a companion of, to, of academic context around the World Cup 
as well. So congratulations to them. I mean, like, I my brain cannot get around the idea of putting out a book. So huge achievement, and I'm so so excited to read it. As I said, this has been a weird episode. It has been the truest express post of this tournament so far, but thank you so much for tuning in. We hope to be back to a bit more of a regular style podcast tomorrow. And tomorrow we will have so many fun things to talk about because we see the end of the group stage and the beginning or sorry, the end of the second round of matches of the group stage and the beginning of the final uh group stage matches which is going to be absolutely amazing so tomorrow we will get to talk about South Korea Morocco and Germany Colombia which are those group H matches and we will also have the conclusion of group A so Norway take on Philippines and Switzerland take on New Zealand so lots of fun things to look forward to tomorrow as always we're over on espn.com.au and the ESPN app You can follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we're doing, subscribe so you get all of these daily podcasts right into your feed. If you want to have a chat to us, we're at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next time, see you.